I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Manchester Football Social, EFL and Below Show with Football Mank Cave. Hello, welcome along to the EFL and Below Show from the Manchester Football Social in association with the Football Man Cave. We're back for another week to chat all of the action in and around the EFL and the non-league scene in Greater Manchester. And on the agenda for today's podcast, Berry. Oldham, Paul Scholes, he's done an interview finally revealing what was going on at Oldham behind the scenes, why he only lasted 31 days. Stockport versus Chorley in the National League North, that title decider, it looks so exciting. We're also going to be talking about the fortunes of Salford City, they're on the charge, and Wigan Athletic trying to stave off relegation. It's all happening right here on the EFL and Below show from the Manchester Football Social. My name's Niall McCorn, and alongside me from the Football Man Cave, as always, every Every week we've got Ian Foran. Hello, Ian. Hello. How are you? I'm very well. Yeah, I'm all good. And Aaron Benson's here as well. How are you, Aaron? I'm very good, Nile. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm, I'm not good. Too bad. I'm looking forward to, to discussing what we think about Paul Skulls. I am. I'm, I am. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be good. Yeah, it was, a, it was a cracking little interview. It was, that, a good, it? it was a good interview, and we've been talking about it on previous podcasts, so I'm looking forward to getting our teeth stuck into that one. But of course, if you want to get involved with the show, you can do. Just find us on Twitter. It's at MCRFootySocial, and use the hashtag EFL below to get in touch. We'd love to hear your views, no matter what team you support in and around the EFL and non-league scene in Greater Manchester. And it is the non-league that we're going to start with, because we're going to start with Curzon Ashton. We spoke to Mark Bradshaw on last week's podcast, the Curzon Ashton manager, about the possibility of the club winning their first Manchester Premier Cup since 1990. Yeah. So it's been a bit of a slog for them to wait this long, but it was a successful day for them uh, earlier on this week, and fair play to them. They got a the job done and tasted a bit of glory, which is always nice. Yeah, it was it was a decent match as well, you know. down uh, I went down there. It was at Hyde United, Ewan's, Ewan Fields. Decent little little stadium as well. To be honest, uh, I think it got a four G pitch or three G pitch, right. which I was when I I walked in and I was like, Jesus, that pitch looks good. And then obviously <laughs> you realised it's fake. <laughs> <laughs> but all oh, right, that explains it. But I tell you what, Mosley Mosley played really well. Did they pushed them close? But you could just see the difference in in levels. Mm. Um, the thing is, what I noticed, Mosley just kept like pressing high, so Curzon was just basically just pinging balls over the top. That's all, just over and over again. They, they caught offside a fair few times, but that was basically the game plan. Ping it over at the top. But yeah, 3-1, decent little scoreline. Um, Mosley had a little bit of a patch where they could have come back into it. Played some cracking football, which you, you can do in any type of pitches. But yeah, overall, quite impressed. Do you think the uh, the type of pitch had a big effect on the result of the game? Do you think it suited either Curzon or Mosley more? I think it actually suited Mosley more because yeah. the way, honestly, there was one move, it must have lasted three or four minutes and they started from the back, played it out to the right, just spanning the pitch. Bump, 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 one touch passing, and it, it did have scored. It honestly would probably wouldn't have been one of the best goals I've seen. Really? It was absolutely brilliant. It, everybody was like, geez, look, look at that, but he pinged it over. But yeah, I think the pitch played made them play better. But um, 
I think it suited Mosley more than more than Curzon. Curzon were quite happy just to ping either balls across the pitch or over the top. Little 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 putting it about here and there, but um I was impressed with Mosley. First time I've seen him. I don't think Curzon Ashton will make the playoffs. It's kind of been our buzzword no. around Curzon. Yeah. Every time they got a win or two, we were going, oh, is the charge on? Is that little surge for the playoffs going to happen? It's just a little bit too far away now, but there's yeah. no reason why this cup win can't spur them on to just perform well in the last few games of the season because we spoke about their cross-town neighbours, Ashton United, and the fact that they've changed their squad time and time again this yeah, season. Yeah. You know, they've changed players, they've chopped and changed everything. The success for Curzon in general has been the fact they've kept a settled squad. So do you think some of these players now will want to play as well as they can to, to maybe keep themselves in Bradshaw's mind for next season? I think if you look from when Bradshaw's come in, the whole of Curzon, for me, has just been transformed. I think they've played well. Mm. Obviously, they're not, they're not doing too well in the league at the minute. Um, I, think, I think they've not won in the last five. No. But they are only three points off what would be their highest position in, in the league. And if he can achieve that, if they if he can achieve an eleventh place finish with the Manchester FA Premier Cup, I think that'd be a decent season and a decent springboard. Um, obviously, they haven't got the the biggest of budgets, but um, I think Bradshaw's really got him playing, and he seems to have a decent decent team. Um, there's a couple of decent individuals. Wall Brook um, was stand out for me mm. on Monday and impressed me a lot. Um, so I think they've got some, and I think they've got decent ties of Oldham as well, Oldham youngsters which always helps, doesn't it? Always useful to get yeah, some yeah. league-quality players down on a loan spell. And, and talking of Oldham, let's not beat around the bush for any longer. No. Let's get our teeth stuck into this Paul Skulls business, Aaron. He's done an interview on the television, opening up about his time at Oldham as manager, where he lasted just 31 days before walking away. Allegedly, he quit by text, that's according to the chairman, but as we all know, there's two sides to every story. And Paul Scholes said some really interesting things on the telly, didn't he? He did say some very interesting things. One of the things I picked up on by the end was when he was asked whether he would go back into management again. There was never really a sure answer, was there? No. It was very much, oh, I might do, you never know. And for me, that tells a lot, really. Sure. I don't, even though he was very complimentary about the players, you know, there was no, seemed to be no beef with them, if you understand. But I just look at the situation and... Talk about the showers not working, you know, the coffee. You know, he talked about not being able to get a hot coffee. And I'm thinking, well, you'd have known this before you went in. Why did it all change? I've not, I've got bits of sympathy with him. But in terms of he's not on his own, he's not the only manager in that position in League One and League Two where the conditions, the working conditions around the manager aren't great. Uh. And I just think the step down for Paul Scholes was just too big. And I think struggling to adapt to the conditions, I don't think he was able to handle it. For, to, for example, say what Pete Wilde's doing at the moment, there's been a nice turnaround in form, and what Frankie Bone was doing. And I just think the adapting from being at his level throughout his playing career to League Two was just too much. Yeah, and I think... Obviously, watching the interview, Scorsese sort of said, look, I'd heard rumours before I took the job. I yeah. kind of heard little bits and bobs. He said, but I didn't realise it was as bad until I got in there. And he, he, he for me, he portrayed a, a club that's that's very unstable. He said, the players are bang on. He said, he couldn't have asked more out of the place. He said, but, and I think it's been all over anyway, but it was like, when I first turned up, he said it was like a school academy, so like 28 yeah. players. Yeah. He said it was it was either you're in the first team or you're not. He said it's it was too much. He said players obviously taking taking home the the kits to wash. Mm. He said mm. he said they didn't have a hot shower until the week before uh, he, he left. But he did also say on on the other side of that is at League Two level 
that happens a lot. There's it, a lot it, of teams. That, so they weren't yeah. sort of saying, look, it was only Oldham that are in this. I think you mentioned Morecambe. Um, don't know where they're training from week to week. Which is funny because Morecambe have got actually a very nice stadium for League Two level. Yeah. It's pretty much brand new. I think 2010, the Globe Arena opened. So it's not always as it seems on the surface. Sometimes the way a club looks can be quite superficial in terms of how it's run underneath. And what I found really interesting about what Paul Scholes was saying was, I think you came up with a stat, Aaron, a few weeks ago. Isn't it eight managers or something since Lee Johnson left a few years ago? I'm not sure of the exact stat, but it was something along those lines. Does this Paul Scholes situation, does that now make the Oldham role a poison chalice? Is that going to put managers off or future suitors off? from coming and applying for the job at Boundary Park because of what Paul Scholes has said. Because if it's not just Scholes that it's happened to, and it's happened to other managers, why would anyone in a million years even bother applying for the Oldham job? I think it was probably a poison chalice before Scholes went in there. We always said that for it to work for Paul Scholes, Oldham needed to change their approach. The stat you were talking about now, it stemmed from the fact that when Joe Royal left the club, was it just over 20 years ago, basically they have had a new manager every single year. And you think of the situation, they keep changing the managers, but they're not getting any better. They've got worse. They've been stagnating in League One to mid-table in League One to fighting relegation and then ended up in League Two. So they've never really got any better. And I don't see any reason why, if you're a manager, say, out of the game, you've just been sat, you're wanting to go back into the game, you choose to go to Oldham at the moment. What I will say on the other side of the argument is I don't think Skull's uh, fellow managers are on their own working in sort of poor conditions. We know the disparity that exists in League One and Two to say the Championship and the the Premier League Mm. with the quality of playing conditions, the quality of training conditions and sort of the surrounding uh, conditions that there are at these football clubs. And I think Skulls does paint a bleak picture. Um, It wasn't great for him. But, you know, there's some decent players in that Oldham squad. And I think looking long term... Having I watched them a couple of times under Skulls. Obviously, they had uh, Edmondson was in the team of the yeah, year. Yeah. in League Two team of the year. They've got Peter Clark playing for the team. Obviously, Callum Lang up front, Giles Coke. There are some Jose Baxter. There are some decent players in there, and it's just um, Skulls maybe couldn't get the best out of them. And I thought what uh, Slaven Bilic and Steve McManaman said on the with Paul Skulls that the level between what he's been playing at throughout of his career to go into League Two with the you know the mm. twenty eight players there on the, on his first day of training and you know he just probably thought this is too much for me too soon Paul Scholes wasn't shy in praising the players no he no. was very keen to make sure that people understood that the players it's not like they were lazy he said that they were always there for extra hours after training doing the practice that they needed to do he said he had a good bond with the players a good relationship with the players and I think it's kind of stemming from that thing that Glenn Hoddle had Glenn Hoddle couldn't understand why the players that were playing for him weren't as good as he was it was just a frustration for him that he, yeah. he couldn't get out of the players. The players couldn't do the things that he was visualising in his head because he was just too good. He was just so much better than them. But for, for Paul Scholes, I don't think it really was that. He said that he didn't feel that, no, really. No. But he said no. that the players, it wasn't through a lack of effort, it wasn't through a lack of trying. Maybe, as what I said on a few podcasts ago, he just he just wasn't cut out for management. He's just not that type of guy. No, and I remember I remembered one piece of the interview there... Um, because he asked him about the chairman's sort of interference yeah. as such, and he actually said that the best time at the club was when the chairman wasn't there. He said they've, they've got a core of players there that basically it's like the chairman's pick, and I think Peter Clark had had a bit of a Barney with one, <clears throat> and he said basically the chairman come after and said, look, Peter Clark needs to be dropped. 
And he said, and that was the first time he'd, he'd asked someone to be dropped. He said, but previous weeks leading up to that, he said there was definitely hints of you should be playing this guy. This guy shouldn't be playing. He said, and he said that that just wasn't for me. That like it was it was too much. He said, and with the Peter Clark thing, he said that was sort of that was it. He said it's it's unfair on the players to be in that environment. To be fair to Scholes, probably on the outside when he was thinking of applying to, for the job and in talks with the owner, he probably felt at the time that was the right fit, having grown up uh, in 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 Oldham, going to watch the games when he was a young lad, that's his team, Oldham, and he probably thought, you know, the emotional connection, it could drive him on. But obviously when he got into the club, it was probably a bit unexpected, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows as what he thought it might have been. And here he is now having left the club, and um, obviously he's very respectful for the players but not so much for the owner and it might just have been it was a square peg in a round hole do you think he'll regret it because I don't I don't think he'll regret it no he said he don't regret it I don't think he will no No. he he said he didn't and and I think that's brave of him to come out and say that he doesn't regret it but Paul Scholes we know that if he's not happy he'll walk away we said that right at the start and talking about not being happy the authorities not happy with Scholes because apparently he's allegedly been placing bets for a period of around five years, I think between 2014 and 2019. He was in a director's role at Salford City, or yeah. he was on the board at Salford City, and that's obviously, in my opinion, where this issue has stemmed from. But if the authorities, the FA, the EFL, decided that it was okay for him to take over the Oldham job, despite the fact he had a position at Salford, but it just seems a little bit contradictory to me that they make an exception to one rule, because of his Salford role, and they openly admitted maybe he doesn't really do that much at Salford, so, you know, it's okay for him to manage Oldham, but yet now, all of a sudden, when it comes to betting, it's not okay. Seems a bit strange. They're like an inconsistent parent, aren't they? You know what I mean? They're like, (laughs) one week, you can get away with murder, and then next week, it's like, no, you're going to be bang on now, and if if you don't do this, you're in naughty step, type thing, and and that's literally, it's just pick and choosing when they want to be authoritative or not. It's like Wayne Hennessy with that Nazi salute, they're trying to make out that he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, oh my god, didn't even know it was a salute. I find that impossible to believe. Inconsistent parent, I like that, I do like that a lot. like that, Ian. Let's stay with Salford City then. We're talking about Paul Scholes just now. Let's stay with Salford City. You watched their game at the weekend, Ian. They were on fire. Yeah. There's no other way of putting it. They're on fire. They're hitting form at just the right time. They did have that rocky spell just after New Year, but every club goes through that rocky patch. It's about how you bounce back. And right now, they're hitting some top form into the business end of the season. Business end. There we go. They were impressive. I mean, Maidenhead, I'll be honest, didn't put up much of a fight. And you can see why they're hovering... I mean, they're not obviously relegated, but you can see why they're that low down in the league. Um, Salford just blew them away. Within 20 minutes, the game was over. By the time that penalty went in, literally could have just called the match off because that second half was just null and void. It was it was just so easy for Salford. I, I couldn't even remember really Maidenhead putting up too many shots, No, to be fair. In fact, I think the Maidenhead fans put up more of a fight than, than the team because it was quite funny as, as they all walked in. Every single one of them was in fancy dress. Yeah, I did yeah. see that. <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant, but because they couldn't get to the away end, so a group of them ended up in the Salford end. I did see that because the the TV cameras were there, and when Salford scored, there was a load of people in like where's Wally costumes, yeah, yeah. not celebrating. <laughs> I was like, have they turned up to the wrong game no, or something? And they stood right in the middle as well, and gave Salford fans as much as 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 they got, and that was probably the most amount of fighters in. But is that not the beauty of non-league football? Oh, oh you stole I, the I words right out of my it. mouth now. You stole the words out of my mouth. You see, you know, the Premier League, some championship levels and Champions Leagues, and you see the big lines of stewards three rows deep and 
you know, you talked about non-league and the fans staying together. I do feel like there's a bit more of a community feel at non-league. There doesn't seem to be that animosity that exists in, you know, we're going through a bit of a spell where fans feel they can take liberty to run on the pitch and provoke opposition players. We've seen incidents with Jack Grealish, Chris Smalling. Mm. Uh, there was an incident with Fabian Delph at the Tottenham City game last last week in the Champions League and then you have the non-league and the people maybe can form a bond between there the players are. and the, the supporters and they do have that more of a community feel. I, I do get that on Salford. I said a few weeks ago when I saw them beat Bromley how good the full-backs were. Did you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, good? T- to be honest, they were quite right-side dominance. That Wiseman was Wiseman mm. and Hogan yeah. basically ran the show. Um, with Rooney down that right hand side yeah. and that's where the goals come from first half Ibu Torre on the other side Sorry, me and, his name me and Aaron were sort of yeah. waxing lyrical about him last <laughs> yeah. week he, he didn't he was I was, so I was looking out so for him good. but he was to be honest it, he didn't really get much back from his goal he didn't he didn't have to do much uh, a couple of decent free kicks in but yeah it was it was just easy it was so easy for him it was that easy he, he hauled Rooney off like 15 minutes ago or something like that and and was just giving players rest so you could sort of say but I noticed Graham Alexander all the way through the match was just barking at his players, even though they'd won it and, and they were cantering through. They were going at him like, like exactly where he wanted them to be, but he'd more out of them. And I thought that's their mentality. Do you know what I mean? Has Graham Alexander ever worn a coat in his life? By the way, he's yeah. always wearing a t-shirt. Or he's always wearing that grey, uh, grey top in yeah. with yeah. the grey top on. Yeah, buttons. yeah, <laughs> yeah. All, I saw that on. Might Twitter. be a lucky thing. You might be um, superstitious. So, yeah, very being more serious about Alexander, I think coming from the uh, the football league, been in League One, hasn't he? He's worked yeah. with Fleetwood last season. He was with Scunthorpe. They were pushing for promotion. They struggled this season. Uh, the iron, but going back to co- dropping from the football league to the non-league, he still brings that football league mentality, doesn't yeah, yeah. it? And I feel Solfadar, even though the non-league with the long-term aims, the long-term expectations of where they want to be. They do have a football league uh, mentality, and I th- think that Alexander and the players that he's working with, Adam Rooney, uh, Rory Gaffney, like of Wiseman, Torre, uh, they're mm. all, uh, they've all got that football league mentality, haven't they? I think it's just three games left at season now, obviously, and Salford, Salford need Orient to, to slip up. They've only won one in, uh, one, two in five. Will they, though? As good as Salford are I, I, right now, and as good as the form they're hitting... Can they dislodge Leighton Orient? It's I mean, be, this it's is the question. So it doesn't matter how good Salford are, because if yeah. Orient keep up their form as well... Well, it's in their own hands, though, isn't co- it? Of yeah. course it is. So, I mean, can you see it happening? I, I, I really want to say yes, but it's just... I don't know, Orient, like you say, they've got that... As much as Alexander's got that Football League experience that Aaron's on about, yeah. Leighton Orient are a Football League club, yeah. really, aren't they? So they've got that kind of feeling. The fans will be kind of buzzing around them they've got some good quality players I mean can, can you see it happening I can see it happening but will it happen that's what I'm asking uh, that, that's it's one of them heart and heads things isn't it like I'd, I'd love to see it happen but with three games left and two points behind it's, it's going to be tough and I, it's, I don't know I, I, I'm usually quite positive um, and I usually say yeah but I think yeah. I want to say no on this one on uh <laughs> On the flip side of the argument, Salford have got to win the points, haven't they? They've got to get maximum nine of nine games left. And on Easter Monday, they have filed at home and filed a fifth there in and around the playoffs as well. And they'll definitely That's huge, want... isn't it? That okay. is the massive game. I think if Salford have to win that, they've got to take it to the final to the final day. We said Ashton last week, didn't they? If they were to survive, they needed to get to the final day. And I feel that's the same with Salford. They need Leighton Orient to lose and Salford to win all them games. I think it's possible. And the form Salford are in, you'd certainly bat them to win their games. I don't think that... Boreham Wood and Hartlepool, they're certainly not playing for uh, Languishing anything. down towards the bottom, They're not they? playing for anything other than pride at the moment. The file's the big game on Easter Monday. That'll be a, yeah. 
that should be a fantastic match. But I think for uh, for Salford, even if they do worst comes to worst, finish second or third, uh, end up in that top seven, end up in the the playoffs, I'd still uh, say they'd be favourites to go up. Yeah, loads to play for still in the National League. Leighton Orient top, Salford City just two points behind obviously only one automatic promotion place from the National League and likewise in the National League North only one automatic promotion place and that's going to go to either Stockport County or Chorley it is so so close in the National League North and it's also so close for Wigan Athletic who still might get sucked into the relegation zone in the championship we'll be talking about that and we'll also be talking about very can they get promoted despite their off-field woes manchester football social subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Manchester Football Social, EFL and Below Show with Football Mank Cave. Welcome back to the EFL and Below show from the Manchester Football Social in association with the Football Man Cave. From the Manchester Football Social, I'm Niall McCorn and alongside me in the studio from the Football Man Cave, we've got the main man, the CEO of Football Man Cave. Is he in foreign? Hello, I am just warming up. You're warming up for I'm what? I'm warming up for the quiz. Oh yes, it's quiz time and our quiz master for this week, also alongside us from the Football Man Cave, it's Aaron Benson. Hello. I hope, you, I hope you've got a good quiz for us this week, mate. Hey, it can't be much worse than the last one. <laughs> it did. was a stinker was a good, last time. It was a good I idea. I forgot about that, man. You yeah, two just weren't good enough, but uh, <laughs> I'm, to I'm really looking forward to this one. Okay. So now, can we have the quiz sound? Yeah, we certainly can. But yes. just before we do, a reminder to make sure you subscribe to the podcast. This is the EFL and Below show. So go and subscribe to the show. Leave us a nice little review as well. And we don't talk about Premier League teams, Manchester United or Manchester City on this show but if you are interested in listening to podcasts related to those two teams from the Manchester Football Social all you need to do is search Manchester City Football Social or Manchester United Football Social wherever you get your podcasts you can also follow us on Twitter it's at MCR Footy Social coming up next in the podcast we'll be talking about Berry, a good result for them at the weekend admits financial trouble Stockport Chorley this weekend as well a league decider and Wigan Athletic will they stay up in the championship but as Aaron says it's time to get in the zone. Ian's started to warm up. Yeah. He's jogging. He's sort of jogging on the yeah. spot. Get these knees warm. <laughs> For what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know quizzes had such a strain on your knees, but there we Everything go. Everything does, mate, I'll be honest. Okay, Aaron, the quiz master. So this week, uh, we all love football, but outside of the world of football, it's been a big week. It's been a big few weeks for sports stars and horses, beginning with Tiger. So, <laughs> okay. the Grand National a couple of weeks ago was won by Tiger, Tiger Roll, and the US Masters was won by Tiger, Tiger Woods. Woods. That was his 15th major championship. What a his win, first. by the way. That was really good win, wasn't it? Yeah, in his first for 11 years, and his first Masters for... 
14 years. I wonder what you will do in 2005, the two of you. Starting to play golf. Tiger Woods yeah. got me into golf. So. Yeah. yeah, he did. That oh. win, that chip in at, at, at the 16th. 16th hole. Yeah. Unbelievable. You like a bit of golf, don't you, Ian, every now and then? I like a little bit of golf, yeah. <laughs> I'm rubbish, but I like a bit of golf. Get the old I, frustrations out. I remember once playing golf and the club head went further than the ball <laughs> snapped off. Uh, I think we've all done that at some point in time, <laughs> mate. Yeah, We've definitely. all done that. So anyway, as there was big wins for people called Tiger... I thought of the idea of how many football teams have nicknames of animals. Wow. So, for example, Hull City's nickname is... The Tigers. Tiger, the well, Tigers. you just nicked me first one, so I have to think of no, another one. Well, <laughs> well, here we go. So I've uh, concocted a few uh, nicknames, and you basically have to guess the team. So we're going to start locally, and then we're okay. going to bridge out. And all information has been found on football-stadiums.co.uk. Okay, okay. And a bit of my Google is searching as well. Terms and conditions apply. Make sure you contact the Bill Fair's permission. (laughs) Yeah, and if you have any problems, uh, don't tweet the show. (laughs) Right then, so, question number one. Who are the Seals? The Seals? I want to say Morecambe. Morecambe's not. Morecambe's, I think, a shrimp or something like that. So let me think about... The seals. It's pretty local. Pretty local. Yeah, pretty pretty local too. Driving distance. Southport. No. Well, you'd be googling now. Can you click in? I'm not clicking. It sounds like Cheshire. I'm just going for the times <laughs> up. I, that was my throwing in the towel moment. It was Chester. Chester, Chester called the seals. Yeah. Right. I thought I called the lions or something. Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. Well, yeah. no. Okay. All right. Well. We'll trust you. Go on. Okay. Who are the Robins? And you can have two names for Ashton this. United. Correct. Can I get the other one? Yes. Um, the Robins, Swindon Town, and Bristol City. Yes, that's... And Cheltenham Town. Yes. But... Do I get three points? No. What's the other local team? <laughs> the local team. Called the Robins? Yeah. So I'm talking there's three football league clubs, Cheltenham, Swindon, them. and Bristol. We don't discuss them a lot on our podcast. Altrincham. Yes. Yes. Things. Oh, God, yeah. Right then. Well this, played. This so what's be... the score? 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. Okay. Because you've got the ones I've registered. Who are the Trotters? Bolton. Yes. Oh, you... <laughs> who are... Who, who it got are, stuck in my throat, man. Who are the Terriers? Huddersfield. Oh, two, two. Who are Huddersfield? <laughs> Huddersfield. Huddersfield. Merlin further, further afield. Who are the Bees? Brentford. Correct. Oh. Who are the Royals? Reading. Oh. <laughs> who are the Millers? Rotherham. Have you got a sheet in front of you now? Yeah? No. <laughs> I thought you'd be good the at Millers. this one. Millers now. aren't an yeah. animal, are they? What's a Miller? I thought we were doing animals. Yeah. <laughs> the millers are people that make flour yeah, we in end, a mill. We've ended up breaking away from it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's another one of my disasters. Oh, but dear. now winning. And the last one, well, it's a dead rubber, but we'll see if you can get this one, Ian. Who might the Invincibles be? And it's not Arsenal. Oh, wow. Invincibles. They were the Invincibles a long, long time ago. Do you know it? No. Do you actually know no, that? No, no idea. Well, I also say Ipswich. No, they're the, tr- they're the Tractor Boys. Right, I know, but... It's, <laughs> the it's just... Preston, Preston North End. Preston, Preston North End? They were Invincibles, didn't they? One, once upon a time. Were they really? That's a surprise to me. So final score, was that 5-1? Yeah, you've battered him now. Battered him. That's the end of the There was cheating quiz. going on there. You were answering them way too fast. I demand a recount. Replay next Where, week? Yes. Should, should Where's we the cameras? A people's vote on the... A people's uh, vote. <laughs> Very good. Replay. We need a replay next week. He's not here next week. Of I'm course. Oh, maybe we have a two-week break. 
should we have a two? International break. International break for Ian. Ian. International break for Ian. Thank you very much, Aaron, for the quiz. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, I'll tell you what might be quizzing Paul Cook's mind is how he's going to keep Wigan Athletic in the championship because obviously they've been struggling this season. Their away form has been absolutely turgid. Their home form's been okay. And it's at home where they faced Norwich City at the DW at the weekend. The league leaders, of course, in the championship. I think before the game, Wigan fans might have snapped your hand off for a point. But one point isn't what Wigan fans want. Three points is what they want because that's what they're going to need to keep themselves up in. Yeah, it's um, it's quite tight down there. If you sort of look at it, Rotherham, 40 points. Up to, say, probably Reading, 44 points. You've you've possibly got one out of four there to, to possibly go down, but... Wigan, I mean, obviously it's three draws, but they've only lost once in the last five matches. But I was I was quite impressed with them. I watched them on Sky Sports on um, Sunday. And, um, yeah, I actually thought they were going to win at one point. And I come, went in the kitchen, made myself a brew, come back, and Norwich had scored, and it was one all. But, um, <laughs> Wigan actually, fans are like, go and make yourself a brew more often. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or less often, Less sorry. often. Um, but, yeah, I was impressed. I thought they might have, might have got the three points. Really impressed. First time I've... I've I've actually stood in this season, but that Reese James was um he seems to be like the pinnacle and, and the catalyst of, of Wigan. It seems to if they can build a team a little bit around him, he seems to be the one that's really they, caught my eye. They've got a real blend of youth and experience, to be fair, at Wigan. Um you've got sort of the old timers, the likes of Gary Roberts still there, Jonas Olsen there, who they brought in, of course, to uh to, to come in and sort of be part of the defence. They've got some experienced players in there. Um, they've got some players that probably should be playing at the top end or at least towards the top end of the championship. They've got, obviously, Leon Clark on loan from Sheffield United. They've got some experience. They've also got some youngsters there. Um, you think of the likes of Reese James, who's on loan from Chelsea. You see Josh Windass, who's there. They've got some good players. Why is it not clicking for, for Wigan Athletic? What is it? I mean, they obviously went down to League One. They won the league last season, got promoted to the championship. There wasn't huge investment, but what is it about Wigan Athletic which means that they tend to struggle when they come back up? Well, the Championship's such a competitive division, isn't it, really? It's a bit of a bear pit to get out of, and it's very easy to get sucked in to the relegation zone. They had a really good start to the season, Wigan, didn't they, under Paul Cook? It was uh, pretty steady. It was that good bounce back from League One. Mm. They feel like they're stuck in a rut between Championship and League One. I feel they're too good for League One. But I feel if they were to drop from the Championship in terms of they just needed this season to survive and a bit of stability to build on it. And they're um, they're struggling at the moment, aren't they? They're sort of hanging on hanging on by a thread. I just feel the Championship's such a competitive division and anyone can beat anyone. And they've just been a bit of a victim of that, Wigan. And they just can't turn these draws that they've had in recent games into wins. And obviously they were beaten at Hull a couple of weeks ago. They were a bit unlucky. It feels like they're always in games. You don't really sort of... Don't feel like they're on the end much of a, a big defeat. But coming up over these last four games they've got, obviously Leeds away on Good Friday. Leeds fighting for promotion. They're probably the toughest away ground along with Bramble Lane that you can go to at the moment. Yeah, You're looking at that last game of the season, Millwall at home. It's huge. That is so huge. Yeah. And they've got obviously Preston at home. And you hope that if they can get four points from four games, they might as well do it. I mean, but it's their Wigan. away form, isn't it? The, that home form is what's probably going to keep them up, if anything, because their away form has been dismal. It really has. So they've got some tough challenges to come. I really like what you said about the gap between the top of League One and the bottom of the Championship. Teams being too good for League One, but not quite good enough for the Championship. And if you look at the bottom, you've got Bolton, Rotherham. They've both been down in League One in recent seasons. Millwall, Wigan. You know, there's teams down there that have obviously struggled. 
does that show the disparity between the top of League One and the bottom of the Championship? Is that gap getting bigger and bigger each season? Because to me, it seems like that gap is widening every season. Yeah, and you find that a lot. I mean, obviously Wigan, when they were in the Premier League, it was one of them, they weren't probably good enough for the Premier League, but probably too good for the Championship at that point. And what they've done now, obviously, once they got relegated, their level of, of playing, of players, sorry, has dropped. So now they're down into like that Championship League one. You see the teams and you sort of look through the leagues and you, you look at some teams, and even like, say, like the Portsmouth Sunderland in yeah. League One, mm. you've got really big teams in leagues that shouldn't be there. But see, and you've it, got teams of a lesser outing as such. But you say that, yeah. I think my team, Portsmouth, if we get promoted this year, I think next year in the Championship will be a massive struggle yeah. for us. I really do. I mean, we've got some great players and we've got some players that are definitely Championship quality, but I just not sure whether we'll really thrive in the championship. It is you know, a tough it's, league it's, though. It's massive investment required to, to be successful in that division, Aaron. Just feel the budgets, obviously with the parachute payments that teams get coming down from the um, the championship, from the Premier League rather. And, you know, the budgets don't really matter at the end of the day. Look at Middlesbrough, they've got pretty big budget. West Brom have got a big budget, but it doesn't guarantee you're getting promoted. Look at Leeds under Bet- Mar- Marso Belsa, Marco Belsa. Bielsa, yeah. Bielsa, how do you pronounce his name? Sorry, you know, Preston don't have a big budget and them teams are doing well. And you look at Swansea and Stoke who came down QPR a few years ago and it doesn't guarantee you're going to come up coming from the Premier League. I just feel the Championship such a dogfight to get out of and be relegated and it's so tight at the top with the exception of, say, Norwich. Mm. And you can throw a blanket over so many teams in and around from, say, fourth to, don't know, Hull in ninth position. And you only need a few good results and before you know you can skyrocket up the table and it's the same with going down, you know, you lose three games and next thing you know you're fighting relegation from nothing. And I just feel because Wigan have never really been able to they've never really built up a big momentum, have they? They've no. never been able to register three, four wins on the bounds probably since the turn of the year. And it's cost them really. They've had the yeah few draws the last few games but it's just not enough is it especially your home form it needs to be perfect really mm. and they've just not had that and talking about throwing a blanket over teams let's drop down to league two where a victory for Tranmere over MK Dons puts the Merseyside club on 71 points MK Dons a place above in fourth on 72 Mansfield on 73 Berry on 74. Lincoln City already promoted, so congratulations to them. They'll be playing in League One next season. But that race for the next two automatic promotion spots, second and third in League Two, it is so close. That win for Tranmere over MK Dons pretty much changed everything. But a win for Berry is what we want to talk about because after all the off-field issues, to get a result and to win 2-0 in the way they did and to sort of ride out those problems and the fans were there. They turned, I think it was just under 4,000 at Gig Lane. To turn in a performance like that just shows the players do have character, they do have a bit of bottle, and they're willing to get this promotion cause back on track. Yeah, Ryan Lowe at the end of the game, all the players, they got in a massive huddle on the centre circle near the south stand, and there was a real big cheer for the players, and the, it shows that the fans haven't given up on Lowe and the players. There was chanting throughout the game for the team and the manager, and the bond between the fans and the players I think is so strong. All, all you can hope for is Berry. The players can keep winning. Obviously, as we speak now, as far as I'm aware, the players, the staff, they haven't been paid, which is still a massive worry. Lois said that the players will go on fighting until the end of the season without pay, and you just hope they can stick to that. They can stick to their word and they can keep doing that. 
what I saw against Colchester on Saturday is that that's not going to change. It was a real committed performance. Second half, they struggled first half, I'll be honest, to create lots of chances. I do feel Danny May is a huge miss. He's that creative link along with Joe O'Shea. But second half, they really dug in to get the result. Uh, Telford scored two goals after a huge miss. He missed a one-on-one. But no, there was that real determination, dogged fight. As soon as they came out the second half, they started moving the ball so much quicker, created more chances. That started to open up Adams and um, Adams and Maynard were linking up quite nicely on the far right-hand side from what I saw. And what I did see in terms of defending, Murphy made a couple of good saves. But I do feel as though Berry players are still committed to get the club back into League One. I wrote something about the... Uh, it being so close, it's like a big, like a sandwich at the top of League Two. The gap is so close. Very go to Newport on Good Friday, and it's the same for Mansfield, MK Dons, and Tranmere. You just cannot afford to lose a game. And from seeing that picture that's been branded around social media of, of the team, obviously in the huddle, I feel there's a, a mentality now within that team of these are going to be our last three, four games together because inevitably, I feel in the in the summer. That team's just going to get absolutely ripped apart. They've obviously having to sell off with X, Y, and Z. I think so. And I think it's a case of let's. You know when some, you know something's coming to an end. You just want to make it good. Yeah. One last so let, sort of let's thing. let's get us let's get us promoted for the club, and then obviously after that we're just going to go our separate ways because I feel like that's going to have to happen for Barry to to progress yeah. further down the line. So and that's what I sort of took out of that picture. Like they're all together. They know like this is our final four games together. So. Let's put a show on for the fans and, and let's get this club promoted. I said I think they're going to do it. I still do. Even when they lost, I think, two or three in a row. I three said, in a row. Yeah, I still felt that they were going to do it. So, I mean, with the results going the way they did, I mean, Tranmere beating MK Dons, that's done Bury a favour in a strange way, but it's also dragged Tranmere back into the automatic promotion race, which is uh, just the way things are in League Two. But this is why we love this stage of the season. It's so dramatic. And talking about going down to the wire... Stockport County versus Chorley. Oh my goodness. What a game that's going to be. That is going to be absolutely huge in the National League North. Let's just have a quick look at the table. In first position, only one automatic promotion spot, remember, in the National League North. Stockport County played 39, won 22, drawn 10, lost 7, 76 points. Second position, Chorley, who have pretty much been leading the way the whole season. Played 39, also won 22. They've drawn 9, which is one less, and lost 8, which is one more. So they are a point behind on 75, Stockport on 76. And they face off against each other this weekend. It's bringing Great, a big grin to my face. This is why we love football. That's it. See, I told you, didn't I? I told you weeks ago, Aaron, you've got to keep him with that race there. The horse just behind, just getting to that last hurdle, and then Stockport have come in. And if they win Stock, um, Charlie... Obviously, they can win the league on the Easter Monday, and it, what an end to the season it would be. In all fairness to you, I think you said February time. Yeah. I know it's miles away, but that Chorley versus Stockport game is going to be the one. Yeah, yeah. You said it ages ago, and in all fairness, there's been a few crystal ball, <laughs> <laughs> but there's been a few sort of twists and turns along the way, yeah, a few slip-ups, a few draws here and there, but it has been brilliant to watch, yeah. as you say, and... If you're the officials of the National League North, you're thinking, what a great way to end the season, aren't you? You're thinking the two best teams. It's almost like a playoff game, isn't it? It's like a cup final. Yeah. So it, it, basically, it basically is a cup final, isn't it? Well, yeah. yeah. If, if Stockport win, four points clear with... Against, All they need is another win, really. Yeah, and I can't see Curzon, whoever obviously have the back of their five defeats on the row, they're not going to hold much of a, a, a bit of competitiveness behind on, on Easter Monday. So... It's, it's, it's Stockport to lose, as in 
they they've got to go to one beating to end of the season. Um, they they could have they could have had a better gap with Charlie losing the weekend, but obviously they slipped up themselves. Mm. Um, the neutral side of things would probably want a draw out of this match and, and get it going. But for us, <laughs> I'm going on Stockport and Bundy as well, so I want Stockport to win. I don't win the league when I'm there. <laughs> yeah, for a purely selfish yes, point of view. Obviously. I just feel Stockport are the informed team, really. Charlie have stumbled last few weeks. They've slipped up, obviously. They were they were beaten last time out, and I think form coming into this, even though it's not it's a bit of a cup final, I do feel form so important coming into this game in terms of the momentum I still believe is with Stockport they're the informed team. They got to the semi finals of the FA trophy, massively punching above the weight in that competition. Nearly a sellout crowd, Stockport. Fantastic fans as always. They've mm. sold out their end, and I just feel this could be. I actually feel this could be the game of the Easter weekend. I have actually seen Stockport fans offering stupid money to get a ticket for this Charlie How match, much? like fifty, sixty quid, <laughs> just to go and watch Charlie because wow. the people are like, can he can he get a kids ticket? There's Charlie tickets in the um, in the home end. We're going to try and get some of them. Like they're clambering to try and get to this match. It's Mental, and I think if they, if they do win, I think it'll be a record crowd on the Monday. I just feel Stockport have struggled, haven't they, so much the last oh, few yeah. years, the last it's great decade. To sort of see that it's almost like a big relief, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a big relief, and finally they've got you know a bit of they've got a bit of form. You know, they've got a great chance of going up, a bit of success, and the fans, fans as football, we all want our teams to have great success. And finally, it's Stockport's time now. Very patient, the fans. I noticed a um, a stat was branded around this week. Of Stockport have conceded the least amount of goals behind City and Liverpool this season. Incredible. Which uh, I think that's that's their foundation of why they are where they are. Mm. Jim Gannon's. I mean, they went on a run, didn't they, over December, January, and didn't they all concede about three goals in ten yeah, matches? Or yeah, yeah. So it was some ridiculous stat, um, and that's obviously the foundation that they've built to to get where they are. Because Novemberish time, if, if you remember, they were sort of eighth, ninth, seventh. They were kind of round there weren't they and then this run has just took them like it could be I think one of the, the greatest seasons you could see as in like from where they were to where they are at the end of the season you know climbing up and, and chasing down that gap I think it's brilliant Just a final question on this will some of the players that Stockport and Chorley come up against in the other teams sort of they're already on the beach do you know what I mean they're thinking about their summer holidays they're thinking about the season being over but then on the flip side of the coin, you've got them, well, they've got nothing to play for. So they kind of relax a bit more and sometimes they can play better football because there's no pressure. So it can work both ways. And do you see any of that happening or do you think that when the difference in quality is this much, I mean, you look, I mean, Brackley are in third place, they're still five points behind and the rest of the league pretty much pales in comparison to, to Chorley and Stockport. Do you think that will have any impact at all? Uh, well, Stockport play Curzon Ashton, don't they? Yeah, on Easter Monday. Monday. Yeah, so what and I'm saying, just, do you think Curzon will have yeah, yeah, one no, foot yeah. on the beach already? Um, you know? Possibly. I mean, you don't want to be the team, sort of, you know, the guest to the party, do you? No, no. You want to put up a big fight. And I feel like Curzon and the opposition Charlie will have will will do that to them. I just feel whoever loses this game, how do they pick themselves up for the playoffs and that they'll probably eventually be in? And I, I feel that forever Stockport or Charlie, the losers of this game, I do feel like being able to pick themselves up I think could be quite difficult. Having said that, though, whichever team who wins or loses, it's important because they've still got that couple of games left till the end of the season. They'll still believe that they can push on, even though it is a winner. It's sort of a winner-takes-all game. It's not defining. I don't feel. I feel like for Stockport, for Charlie, it could be defining. But if Stockport lose, I still feel they've got enough to pick themselves up to try and force something. Yeah, but you've only got 
two games left of the season and they'll be two points behind. That's well, that's putting it out your hands, isn't it? Really you never is. know, though, do but you? But Curzon have got to play both, I think. I think Curzon played Char- Charlie last game of the season. Curzon. So Curzon, could have, if that goes, it, they could have a big say. In, and in they've got a bit of momentum goes. having just won the Frank Hanna Cup. Well, yeah, could be. There we go. Well, by the time we do our next podcast, we'll be another two games down and there'll be just one game left in the National League schedule. Obviously, there'll be a few more still left in the EFL, but it's all getting very close. So after this Easter weekend, I think we'll know a lot more about the landscape of all of our leagues and divisions. Yes, it's a make or break weekend, isn't it? It's where, a cracking weekend. Of where are we on. going for hey, Easter cracker? Where's our Easter uh, fix? Yeah, you heading anywhere for this weekend? Uh, Stockport on Monday. I was going to go to to a match on Friday, but I'm, I'm not now. I'm out drinking. So, <laughs> What about you, Aaron? Heading I'm going nice? to Radcliffe Borough and Ramsbottom United on Easter Monday. Very good. You can turn your face, but that, that is a big, big game at the top of the Evo Stick West. Can't wait. Can't uh, wait for it. I'm at Burton Albion on Friday for, for Portsmouth. Lovely. And uh, Easter Monday, Portsmouth on the telly, so I'll be watching that before I come to work. Because that's what you've got to do on a bank holiday Monday sometimes, Yay. don't you? Anyway, <laughs> this has been it for another week of the EFL and Below show from the Manchester Football Social in association with the Football Man Cave. My thanks, as always, to Ian Foran. Thank you very much, Ian. Thank you. Thank you very much to Aaron Benson. Thanks, now. Thanks, Ian. And uh, I've been Niall McCorn. Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, EFL and Below show. Make sure you leave a review as well. Subscribe, though, so you never miss another episode. And if you do want to listen to the Manchester Manchester Football Social, where we discuss the Premier League sides in Greater Manchester City and United. All you need to do is search Manchester Football Social wherever you get your podcasts. Send us a tweet if you want to get involved. It's at MCR Footy Social. But have a great Easter weekend and we'll speak to you next time. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show.